and welcome to Unhinged History. Uh, I'm Teresa Potratz. And, and I'm Angie Craig. Oh, I'm just going to cut you in right back. Good. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> um, and we're a couple of nut jobs who just love history and bring in the stuff that we didn't get to learn in school. And if we have to know this cursed knowledge, we're going to share it with you. Because that's what friends do. Right. And so that's what, you know, Listener, you you are now our friend. You didn't know this, but congratulations, you've passed the test. It's like the hero you didn't know you needed. And you, yeah, it's, yeah, ex- exactly that. It's the hero of the lesser known thing that was just like, well, great. You're able to use McDonald's kiosk to order people's food when it starts to <laughs> malfunction. Thank I still you. can't do that. Still can't do it. I just don't need a McDonald's. I mean, like, I don't do that either, but. Um, the last time we were there, for me, which was like forever ago, but the boys like the chicken nuggets, you know. What do you yeah, gonna do? I, I get whatever. Um, I tried to order online, like I tried to order at the kiosk, and I was like, "What am I doing? There's a live human here." <laughs> <laughs> Stop me! Oh my gosh! Oh my word! Okay, I have some. I have, I have silly history for you today. Well, I mean. It's silly to me, but it might not be silly to others, depending on which side of the history you fall on. Oh, my. <laughs> so, are you ready? Do you want to get into it? Or, or Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm just going to start off with, with a question. Did you know that a trumpet player caused World War II? That did not make my history book. Yeah. Mine either. Um, so, on April 16th, 1939, 150 million people tuned in to the BBC radio to listen to a trumpet be played. This is not just any ordinary trumpet. It is a trumpet. It is one of two trumpets from King Tut's tomb. Because we can't know touchy touchy. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then six months later, Hitler invaded Poland. So there you go. Okay. World War II. Uh, at least that's what some people believe anyway. Um, so six months is a big gap though. I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo on on this like three seconds in. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing. Ne- neither am I. Um, I'm just saying what some people think because, you know, don't touch touch stuff. He kind of had a, a, a complex, you know? Um, and so there are people that believe that because he had had that complex, if you will, and then one of us decided we we absolutely need to hear what this trumpet sounds like, um, you know, however many thousands of years later, we blew it. Um, and then all of these these things like the failures of the League of Nations, uh, the impacts of the Treaty of Versailles, wait, wait, depression. The League of Nations. Wait, no, sorry. I was thinking not the history thing. You were thinking the League of Assassins? <laughs> no. Oh, I feel such like, okay, Justice Board. No, um, the DC characters that all hung together. The Justice League? Justice League. For whatever reason, League of, of Nations triggered that halfway because I had a brain misfire. I need you to know now that all those people sitting around the table between World Wars One and Two are now DC heroes in my mind okay yeah um right. churchill takes the place of superman we're just superman just really because yeah. churchill 
I feel okay. like, you know, yeah. Anyway, um, all of these things that happened between World War One and 1939 that kind of caused, on the outside, caused World War Two to happen, right? But there's a sect of people that believe it had nothing to do with that, but that somebody blew a cursed trumpet. I'm down for this conspiracy theory. I'm here for it. I'm 100% here for it. So that being said, I decided to compile a list of some of my favorite curses throughout history. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So do you remember the other day? This is curse number one. Do you remember the other day when I was telling you um, about the guillotine and how, like, bougie people would put the, like, miniature versions on their dinner table to, like, slice their bread and veggies and stuff? Yep, yep. Um, so... <laughs> Because this is how my brain works, I immediately was like, oh, I wonder if that's why the baguette is shaped the way the baguette is shaped. So you, you could. No, <laughs> no. Although you say that, I'm thinking it was Lorena Bobbitt, but, you know, carry on. Okay, so uh, that was where my brain went to after a minute, but I was really concerned about bread for a long time. <laughs> okay. So, that is, in fact, not why the baguette is shaped the way the baguette is shaped. There's, like, a whole history and a whole group of people that know all about why the baguette is the way that it is. But that is not why we're here today. Um, what I learned when trying to figure out if a baguette was shaped the way that it was so it could fit through a guillotine slicer was that um, if you drop your baguette or you accidentally lay it down flat side up, mm -hmm. you're cursed. You're cursed. Yeah. Um you're causing, you're invoking a hunger curse for those in your household and all those sharing a meal with you. So in order to undo the curse, you have to draw the sign of the cross on the flat, flat side of the bread before cutting it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, um, I've never dropped my baguette before, so <laughs> good thing because. I dropped a lot of things. I can't say I've ever dropped a baguette, but I have dropped a lot of things. I've definitely dropped a, a piece of buttered bread. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. flat side, it went butter side down, so, like, that happened. That's on the dog, it landed on the dog, butter side <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just extra protein, right? You just gotta get through that keratin. Yeah, he was cool. He loved it. Right? It was good for him. Yeah. So that was curse number one. Um, curse number two, which I think is uh, quite silly, that uh, I'm just going to scroll down here in my notes a little bit. Oh, back up. So have you ever heard of the Billy Goat curse of the Chicago Cubs? No. <laughs> so the world of sports is full of superstition. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, training day socks or whatever. Like you have you can't wash them. Um, I mean, I can't. If I want Mahomes to win, I, I have to have my hair braided that day. Um, I didn't even know Mahomes played baseball. I don't. I don't. Well, he plays him. football. So. <laughs> okay, because see, like, I'm like, I I've heard the name, but beyond that, I mean, yay sports. I feel that way about everything except for football and Quidditch. Um, you just confused a baseball player and a. I didn't. What I said was oh, okay, okay. sports has a lot of superstition. Okay, I stand corrected. But I am going to talk about a baseball team. Um, so the Billy Goat curse of the Chicago Cubs 
local legend has it that in 1945, a local bar owner named William Billy Goat Sinise was told he couldn't bring his pet Billy Goat into the Wrigley Field to see them play in the World Series against the Detroit Tigers. But it's my emotional support, Billy Goat. So I'm thinking. Um, when they told him he couldn't bring it in, he left and evidently he cursed them, saying they would never win another World Series again. It would not be until 2016 when they did finally win again. And so people believe the curse must be lifted. So honestly, when I read that, my first vision is like how many baseball fans went to the local like Mystic or Baba Yaga or who did they like who did they pray to to? <laughs> How many curtain. people smuggled little tiny goats in their messenger bags? Right. Like, what was done to lift the curse? I, I need to know. I, mean, I have questions. I just want to hear. They have DJs, right? Like, there's lots of music and stuff. I just want to hear the guy doing the sound going, Lift your goat. That's what I want to see, too. Um, so if anybody out there is a Chicago Cubs fan and, and knows how we lifted the curse, I would be so delighted to learn because the internet doesn't tell me that. <laughs> um, Number three, coming in at number three, the curse of St. Anne's Well. It's in, it's near Liverpool. Okay. So evidently there is a very ancient well there. It was rediscovered about six years ago. It had been like filled in over time like local farming and just industry in general like kind of I don't think they meant to fill the well in but that's just what happened um but because we fully don't understand the no touchy touchy rules researchers use old photographs to find the exact location of the original St. Anne's well um I personally believe that at least one point in history, somebody tried to cover the well because it's cursed. And this is why. <laughs> it was originally dedicated sometime in the medieval time to St. Anne herself. Um, I had to look this up. St. Anne is Jesus' grandmother. She is um, <laughs> the patron. Other than in the genealogy of Jesus, I'm and I'm thinking like only the men were mentioned, right? I mean, there were a couple of women, right? You had you had Naomi and Ruth, right? Um, but Saint Anne, I guess, is uh, Anne doesn't feel like a Hebrew name. I think the same thing. So I don't know what her Hebrew name is. Okay, yeah. Um, Saint Annas, maybe Anias. I, I don't know. Um, but she became she becomes like the patron saint of um grandma like grandparents and um local ladies would come to pray to pray to her for like a good match for their for their husband okay and then so by proxy they wanted a match for their husband like to, to a good match as a husband like, okay because i was just you know what uh, my husband's really annoying me i'm gonna need you to find this man a wife <laughs> I'm gonna need you to find me a husband that doesn't annoy me. Like that's okay. Okay, see that. That's, that's what these girls are. A bit more proactive. Yeah. Well, I think probably medieval girls are probably praying for like a husband that puts food on the table. Yeah, I just want a man who won't make me slowly starve to death. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. 
Um, and so by proxy, she also becomes like the patron saint of rain and fertility because. Yeah, all things what? are baby related. Growth yeah, and all the life. things. Um, so the well was dug and it was dedicated to her and it was super loved and super visited by pilgrims. It's said to have healing waters that could cure like ailments such as blindness. Wait, because Jesus's grandmother made the pilgrimage from the Middle East to England. No, no, I thought that too. And I was like, oh, that's actually like legit. But no, this, this, this cult of believers built a well and dedicated it to St. Anne sometime in the medieval. That checks. That, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And so my understanding is that it originally wasn't, um, like that big of a deal until pilgrimages started like really coming through there and people really started visiting. So then a priory and a church were built. Priory is a church. I'm unsure of how that works, but it was ran by a handful of monks. And in the 16th century, a nearby land manager called Hugh Darcy conspired with local authorities to take over the property. When the head monk in charge finds out, he immediately curses the land and then does the most dramatic thing possible afterwards. He just dies. Curses the land, curses the landowner, and dies. I mean, you don't want to hang out for a long, a long time living after that. You just it's more dramatic if you suddenly just kick it. That's what I'm thinking, right? Okay, so um what's interesting about all this is very shortly thereafter, Hugh Darcy loses his finances. He loses his son. He kind of falls into um, drinking and probably gambling in the local taverns or whatever, and is later found with his head smashed in either at the base of or the bottom of the wells. Are you sure he didn't start drinking and then lost money and family stopped talking to him and then somebody beat his butt on the well? Hey, I wasn't there. Um, my assumption is he's probably been drinking the whole time because who decides we're going to take over the, the land of a little church next door? That's a pretty dick move. Right. So I'm sh- I'm sure there's like more to his story, but un- unfortunately, um, Hugh Darcy doesn't have like a journal we, <laughs> we could read. Um but they did find his dead body and 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 that's that's it. So from that point on, the well has been cursed. And so my assumption is that at some point, maybe somebody threw some dirt in there and tried to like cover it up because we don't want a cursed well. But in all actuality, it was probably just farmers farming in the over the last few hundred years, the well has just built in. Coming in at number four. <laughs> I'm going to butcher this name, but this is my probably my favorite one. Have you heard of the Koinor diamond? That is It's a it's a rather large one. I'm assuming it's it's very um uh it's it's oval shaped. Um actually, I have I have a picture of it. Let me see if I can find it. Well, I have a picture of it in its original setting, so that's not going to help you. Was it, it's the one on top of Queen, Queen Elizabeth. I was going to say, like, the, wasn't the, wasn't that one in in you know in, in an English crown jewel? Yes. So, okay. Yeah, it's it's like a 
I almost said the stupidest thing. It's diamond shaped. Um, it's, it is a diamond. No, that that is <laughs> honestly like that is more of a giveaway than than you think because particularly large <laughs> stones they're cut to retain the carat weight, and so this bad dog sits at one hundred and eighty six carats. You know, if you got one of those on a ring, you would really, I hate to say it, but I would need two, one for each hand, because I would be lopsided. I would be like curling with my left and the other side would be rather puny. I'd be like that M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, like if you could afford the one, you could probably afford two. Didn't Jay-Z say something like if you, you need to be able to buy it twice to to really be able to afford it? That's wise. That's very sage of Jay-Z. <laughs> He's my financial planner. <laughs> you know what? Legit, it checks. He's great. He's like the king of New York, so it works. <laughs> I, yeah. Who better? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's got he's got Beyonce, and and she out she out earns him. So he's obviously a good financial planner for her as well. That was his financial plan to find somebody that out earned him, and then sing about it. Buy it twice. He, he's got 99 problems. But a bitch ain't one. Neither <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this diamond. Tell me about this um, diamond. So this diamond was discovered in the 14th century. Um, it went through several Maharajas who, for one reason or another, their rule didn't last that long. Um, it became popular when the Mughal ruler Shah Jahan was, who was famous for building the Taj Mahal. And I'm sorry if there's someone out there that can better pronounce all of these words. I would love to hear from you. Um, the 186 carat was placed in his peacock throne, and I'm going to send you this picture because this is the bougiest, gucciest, dripping in diamond. Like this man green button bottom of the screen it says share screen you can click it okay i'm doing it okay share screen and i'm gonna oh you disabled my screen sharing i did not <laughs> it's i just so maybe have never actually enabled it okay so you'll it. have to like send it to me somehow yeah i'm gonna get it to you because this thing is like there there are really no words it's gaudy it's it's ridiculous I mean, and i think you're a ruler you need give me that gaudy Right. Well, and like he built the Taj Mahal. So as far as I'm concerned, you can have whatever you want. Right. Um, how I think it also in pictures that I looked at online, I think it could be carried um, like a. What are those things you the queen like rides through town in? I I, I, I know what you're the poles. I know what you're talking like a, a litter. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could be carried like a litter. I'm not 100 percent sure, but some of the paintings I saw of it weed me to think that unfortunately for him he really didn't get to sit on that throne with that beautiful diamond as its centerpiece for very long because he was soon overthrown by his son and thrown into prison never fear it was also worn by a persian commander by the name of nadar shah after the persians took over the area he wore it as an armband also why not because gonna send you pictures of him too he might be my next crush so i'm gonna be honest you know let's be honest if you were if you had a diamond that big you could be running around in a pair of sweats and a mom bun and you would be the hottest thing around right and his jewelry says so so i'm just and, and i mean like and he won so there's that right like he obviously could command a military 
um, he won this giant diamond and it things went well for him for at least the time. But a hundred years after he took it, the British took over the area and the diamond was sent to Queen Victoria. So there's this is what the current argument is as to whether it was given to her as a gift or whether it was taken from its people and sent to her. I mean, very rich and powerful uh, military coming in and saying, my, what a beautiful diamond. Like, mm -hmm. there's there's a power dynamic there. A little bit, a little bit. But never fear, because being the OG... Um, queen boss lady miss victoria was she said it into the imperial crown and that's where it's been since and only worn by women which is interesting to point out because there is a hindu text from the early 14th century that says this he who owns this diamond will own the world but will also know all of its misfortunes only god or a woman can wear it with impunity I want so bad to see this text. I scour the internet. I have yet to find it. Dang. It gives me it gives me the um, only a woman can kill the 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 bad guy in Lord of the Rings vibes. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's believed to be fatal to men, but women golden. You can wear it as long as you want. All right. And coming in for number five, my favorite one. I know I said that about my last one, but this one. Is petty as hell. Ooh. The Curse of Tehran. The year is 1000 AD, and King Stephen or Stephen, I'm going to say King Stephen because we're English. Um, he proclaims everyone must convert to Christianity. Like, it's a big deal. Um, not everyone was on board with this, and it said that a local shaman of the old ways cursed all of Hungary for the next thousand years. Not just like the king, not just like the noble family, but literally the entire country and all of its inhabitants. And it's a big country. Right. Um, there's like a lot of people that um, ascribe like the fact that Hungary has been kind of on the bad side of history. And rather despondent and whatnot for the last thousand years. And there's Wait, a lot of people. When did this curse start? A thousand years ago. Now I exactly. want to reread the the Silk Road. Right. Because like, man, I I've got so much going through my brain, but none of them are dates, and so now I'm lost. Okay, but carry on. Um. This is my favorite part of the whole freaking thing. Um, <clears throat> so the local shaman that cursed everybody, my understanding is that he cursed everybody and left. And believers think that the way he was able to curse them was with some type of psychic ability. You know how they knew he was psychic? I don't know. Because he was born with six fingers on one hand. <laughs> You've got six fingers on your hand. I know somebody I'll, who's looking for you. That was literally all I could think of. I was like, oh my God, where's Inigo Montoya? He's come to break the curse. <laughs> uh, 
I've been waiting for days to tell you about the six-fingered psychic man that cursed all of Hungary for the last thousand years. Now I'm angry that my parents severed my sixth finger on my left hand. Like, well, maybe maybe you have, like, um, deep-seated psychic vibes. No, I was joking about the finger. Damn. You could have had it surgically removed. I know. I'm no, I've known people who've had digits removed. Supposedly Anne Boleyn had an extra finger. It was probably just a wart. That sounds like just that. Gosh, that really just sounds like something that would be made up post-humorous just to be like, and we know she was a witch because she had an extra finger. That's pretty much what Shapui said. <laughs> Witchcraft. Warts and extra fingers. Nice. Yeah. There's like a hundred more curses I could give you, but we'd be here for 17 hours. So I, which I'm going to... Which ones are your favorites? Like, so that was it? Like, you just, like, oh, that one's my favorite. No, that one's my favorite. These were my top five favorite. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Because the six-fingered man and because... All of the men who wore the the diamond were so bougie and so, like, I just cannot wait for you to see these pictures. They were so okay. extra. So extra. You remember, do you remember, okay, do you remember in Sparta when the king of Persia, when Xerxes shows up and he has that, like, nose diamond? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He is. Imagine that times a thousand and he actually has clothes on. You lost me at the has clothes on. I'm going to be honest. I know it really ruins everything. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, <laughs> okay, so I've, I've got a story for you. I'm so excited. And this this hails from the uh, realm of, hey, I sent you a meme about this one time at some point a long, long time ago. And I, I have to get through the ones that I've been fixated on for a while so that I can do them before you go... I, I saw a meme about this, and so I decided to do this story. So I'm just trying to get through that full stack. I am honestly so excited for the day we tell the same story. Oh, my gosh. I would be mortified. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to tell you about the start of the Han Dynasty. Yes. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start. This is This is before Christ or the before the Common Era, right? So this is 256 BC. And we have a little boy named Liu Bang. Okay. He's born, his parents are farmers, they work in rice paddies. And as he grows up, he's he's described as like handsome, outspoken, charismatic, and generous. But he isn't very interested in school, right? He just not very into the books. I'm gonna So he, so he's Marie Antoinette of the Han Dynasty? I mean I don't know much about Marie Antoinette, believe it or not. Like she, she always just the books. okay, and she was charming and charismatic. What's Probably interesting? Probably paid others for her homework. I mean, to be fair, I was paid to do homework, so I believe there's a market for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So did they? Yeah. So I mean, law of supply and demand, right? Like that's just how yeah. I that's how I survived high school. I had done it in college, but I actually had actual jobs that were in the way. Ah, rude. I know. Doing mm. papers didn't have insurance attached. So, you know, I had priorities. Um, Should have. But like when we look at Leo Bang, he's kind of a 
hard person to really talk about or to really find stuff about because a lot of his early story is mythologized. Like he was born of a dragon and a. it's like, no, he really wasn't. Right. So, I mean, I just told you about six curses. So what are my sources? That, that, okay. That's fair. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, this, this guy, Leo, he's, he's honestly like he, the first part of his life. He's just kind of a fuck up. Ooh, best okay. way to describe him okay um he's frequently getting in trouble with the law he's relying on his dad and his brother to help him out financially his dad referred to him as a little rascal okay so i think we have a great mental image of this person and honestly like i feel like i've dated his ilk <laughs> so we've all loved one Right. Yeah. There, there's one in every, in every background, but like many men who lose, who use their charm, um, Leo starts really networking and trying to make friends to survive since, you know, education and probably hard work aren't too high on his, uh, to-do list. But he ends up becoming with the local magistrate of, you know, a County and magistrates, they, I, they're kind of like, at least in China, from what I understand, and I don't understand a lot, they're kind of like mayor of the county, right? They're not too okay, high yeah. on the government list, you know, but at least, you know, they've got some clout. Well, he stays with this this magistrate for a couple months and then comes back and he takes a civil service exam, which is a exam that if you do well, can help you with upward mobility. He does well. He tests high. Believe it or not, I actually know about the civil service exam. Oh, dang. From a white occult leader, but we'll get there. Well, he wasn't white, but he... Anyway, anyway, carry on. Okay, okay. I mean, that was one heck of a rabbit hole we could have gone down. <laughs> it's a it's a whole thing, but I can't remember his name or the or the war he started, so... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So but I'm familiar uh, with the civil service exam, yeah. Great. Um, Leo, like, he, again, he, he's got a background, he's got a background that doesn't pass muster. So he, his buddies kind of help him brush it under the rug because what are friends for? And with his test score, he ends up getting appointed as the local sheriff. Okay. The image I have is brilliant. Yep. So like my notes say, this has got some major boys will be boys energy. I'm seeing it. Yeah. 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 And Leo keeps putting on the charm and making friends with government officials and at one point, he learns of a feast that's being thrown by a wealthy nobleman in a nearby county. And he hears that to attend the party, you need to pay a steep cover charge. The, to get a seat at the feast, you either need a cash gift or an actual gift that is valued at least a thousand coins. Oh, so like a cow. So like a dowry. I mean, it, this sounds like the, the the kind of party, right? Like, if you don't have the nice car, you are not going. You know, I bet you my friend the Maharaja went. I bet, you know, but this was also <laughs> 256 BC. Well, actually, this, that was when he was born. So this is, it's still, like, pretty yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty far before Christ. Um, so Leo shows up, but he shows up empty-handed. <gasps> Faux pas. Poor. So he ends up like turning on the charm saying he's going to pay 10,000 coins. And Xiao He, who I have as the bouncer, but is I, I said he was the bouncer, but he's basically like the guy running the party. Um, he realizes that Leo isn't serious. 
and he sits him immediately next to the host, Lou. Anyhow, based on, hmm. quote, appearance alone. Okay. So, so Chris Hemsworth walked into the party. Yeah. And, you know, he's just gregarious and super, you know, outgoing. Lou is so impressed with the swap talker. He does the one thing that this, that just makes all the sense of the world. He offers him his daughter's hand in marriage. As one does. Yeah. It's like, listen, poor mouth. You're one heck of a talker. Here's my daughter. Like yeah. this, this guy, man. Like, so he gets married and they have two children and I'm sitting here like, I'm shocked because I'm sitting here thinking homeboy still doesn't even have a home education. You know, and like, yeah, how's he feeding his family? He's the sheriff, apparently. Oh, that's right. Read. That's weird. I know. So, mm. Leo's now married to this wealthy family and the sheriff, but he's still the same person we've seen throughout all of history. He's still like the same. He's a rake. Yes. So, as sheriff, he's escorting a group of prisoners to a construction site at the first emperor's mausoleum. Now. Time. By this time, Emperor Chen's feckless son has really pissed off the population. Okay, <laughs> He's done this through a bunch of really poor ruling that has led to a bunch of peasant revolts. Usually does. Yep. So Leo is taking his prisoners to the mausoleum. Some of the prisoners escape. Now, under the rule of the Chen dynasty, this is punishable by death. And so, yes. I think I know where we're going. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> Leo decides he doesn't want to die. He'd rather Fair. not, you know? <laughs> so he decides to free the rest of the prisoners instead. And some of the prisoners decide, we're going to join you. We're going to hang out. This man has brought us this far. We don't know where we're going, but we're going with him. And I don't have numbers to say like how many prisoners he was escorting, how many joined him, how many left to go anywhere but here. Um, but I do know that they had enough to take over an abandoned stronghold on Mount Mundang. Okay. Um, and at, at this point, like Leo reaches out to his old buddy, that bouncer, Xiao He, and he gets the local community over there to support him okay this is i can't i kind of thought this was like sheriff nottingham turned into robin hood it very much has those vibes yeah and it's just like i didn't i didn't see you know i am coming to like i i am the law to i am going to undermine the law but i mean it was kind of interesting and so he to get additional support he takes these arrows he writes messages on them and then he fires them into the next like county like on the wall and the people take out the arrows read the message and they decide to like they responded to this like call to arms to, you know to to dispose their leaders by killing the pay county magistrate and then welcoming Liu and like come on in like, we're just going to do your dirty work for you and invite you in. So he's just building a bigger and bigger army. And while all this is happening, there's a lot more. Unre there's enough unrest that these people wanted to kill their magistrate. And at this time, the Chen Empire is also launching the Wars of Reunification. 
because that's uh like an oxymoron yeah you know it's like you know it's 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 hamilton i i will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love Mwah! Da, 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 da. yep exactly ah. <laughs> and so back in 2000 and or 208 bc we see these these unification wars come to a head and there's another prominent family uh shang that pops up so in wu county shang liang the son of a chu general puts his family member up as king and this guy's name is king huai the second um i am butchering all these names but i'm doing my best and i did google them so I think they sound amazing. Well, you and you alone. Um, (laughs) But uh, King, or so Liu partners with these people and King Huai II tells tells everyone that he would love for them to go and take over the capital city. And the first one there will get crowned, like the capital, like, so it's, I'm going to butcher this one, Guanzong. So if they get to Guanzong, they at first they will become king of Guanzong. Okay. So just by joining and having his group, Liu becomes the Marquis of Huan and is leading an army against the Qin. And he's headed <laughs> towards the capital. He's like, I am going to get there. I'm going to get that kinship. I'm going to go from son of a of a rice farmer all the way on up. Will he get there first? And Shang Yu is right there behind him. And the city sees both these generals and they give up. No resistance. Just immediately cave. But now Shang and Lu's followers are kind of in a standoff. Um, Shang's feeling a bit salty. He lost. But both of these people have quite a dramatic flair. Uh, hope so. I mean, this gets pretty dang Shakespearean, Okay. Um, they decide to host an elaborate banquet known as the Feast of Hong Gate, and both of them make plans to kill each other at this banquet. <laughs> okay. Um, Shang's advisor orders Shang's cousin to kill him during the sword dance, and that gets botched when another family member of Shang steps into the sword dance to protect Liu. And then because he Leo might have had a couple of drinks at this feast. He understand what's happening, so he fakes needing to pee to avoid the assassination. Just flees with his army. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do. I mean, I have cut to the bathroom many a time for what I thought was you know just sheer embarrassment or just being overwhelmed, but n- not to actual you know assassination attempts. But still, fantastical. So I'm like, I'm here for it. You know, I'm not bad right. at it. Like, I gotta go to the bathroom. It's kind of brilliant. Like, I, I so do 700 of my men. Like, right. Yeah. We just all conveniently needed to have a group urination. It's a thing. As a woman, I do go to the bathroom with other women quite a bit. And I, I maybe, maybe, I don't know, but it, it's still interesting just to think of that. So we have Leo and his men, they flee. And these two keep fighting for years. And like, it's like six years of fighting. The last battle between these two is like high drama. Like there's gotta be some sort of like incredible operas written about this because you have 
Shang's army and they are pinned down. And Liu comes in and he's invading from three different directions. Yeah, three different directions. And one of the generals, not Liu, but one of his one of his his generals, orders his troops to start singing the folk songs of their opponents. This gives okay. the opponents the impression that Liu side won. Shang's army's morale plummets. Many of the soldiers just immediately start deserting. They're just taking. They're like, you know what? Fine. You know, you're singing. You know, she'll be coming around the mountain, and I just know that means we're we're done, right? I don't, I don't know. If- yeah, like I just can't. Um, Shang doesn't give up. He's left with 28 men and he makes one her- a heroic last stand before he realizes, yeah, it's, it's over and he commits suicide. No. But, you know, you're just yeah. kind of like, dang, that is, that is Epic. incredible. Yeah. So Leo becomes emperor and he names his dynasty Han and assumes the title Emperor Gaozu uh, or Emperor Gao. Um, so it's like, I, I feel like a lot of, like I've dished a lot of crap towards this emperor. I've dished a lot of crap to this emperor, but in truth, he he did a lot of good work. So as soon as he assumed the mantle of emperor, many of the harsh laws were abolished. Like the one kind, like case in point, you lose a couple prisoners, you are deserving of death. Like that gone, he lowers taxes. They had a unpaid labor law um, that called corvée. Obviously, that sounds very French. Um, but if you served him and stayed in the capital, you were exempt from your unpaid labor for 12 years. If you decided to go home, hmm. he, he didn't mind that. Um, you were only off the hook for six years. But either way, he okay. paid your um, way for a year. You got a year paid vacation. And didn't have to do unpaid labor for the remaining chunk of your time. Um, and I thought that I was, love that. Right? A year paid? Yeah. And then this part like got me because there were people who, again, under the, the Chen dynasty, there were a lot of, you know, mismanagement, bad ruling. There were people who sold themselves into slavery due to hunger. And our man, Emperor Gao, frees them all. Which mm. I thought that that was a good thing. So it re- re- earned him the respect of his people. And then in 195 BC, he's out in a battle and he gets struck with a stray arrow. Mm. He makes it home and he slowly deteriorates. And there's there's a story that doesn't seem, I mean, I guess I could see it, but like he's laying in bed, he's just completely blocked off from the world. One of his generals comes in and she's like, you can't see, you know, if you're stuck in here, we're all thinking that you're dying. And he makes this smart ass remark of like, well, then I guess I better let the people see me. But it was right after that, that he, that was his last rally. He didn't make it like his wife, Hmm. the one that he married from, you know, attending the party as a poor mouth. She tries her best, gets the best healers to try to take care of him. And he just doesn't make it. And so he was succeeded by his son. That's the start of the Han Dynasty. I love that for them. Um, right? I'm sad that he took a stray arrow. Like, do you think he ever learned to read? <laughs> I mean, so I think he knew, like, he knew how to read, right? But it's just like, from things I've read, 
he bonded with people over his lack of love of learning, but I think that he did know. I mean, he did take okay. the civil service exam. I'm assuming it was written. Yeah, it was written. Yeah, so I guess he would have had some... He He's one of those playboys that, like, is a closet nerd. I wouldn't call him a closet nerd. There's nothing I found that said, <laughs> I like hiding in the back with the charts. Like, that doesn't... No, I don't imagine that. <laughs> okay, okay. Like, I think, like many of the people I went to high school with, knew enough to read the football plays. Not saying that some of them are law officers in the same town that I grew up in. Definitely not saying that. Hmm. But I also didn't didn't date those men. So there's (laughs) no overlap there. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the story. I love that. Well, and like the meme was great, which was like, you know, it talks about, oh, I lost a couple uh, prisoners and the punishment is death. So I'm overthrowing the Chen dynasty. And it's like, have you ever fucked up so bad that you overthrew the empire? (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) you know? I just, I want to be sitting under that tree with him when he made that decision. Like, well, I'm going to die. Yeah, I can't can't go back. You know what? This is the worst Monday ever. So I'm going to double down. <laughs> I could just whatever. I my my visual like I'm such a visually imaginative person. So like seeing seeing what I think could have happened, it's just one of those things that like you know people have been people since the beginning of people, right? Like Yeah. It just makes me laugh because that is like, yeah, this is such a Monday. Crap. Well, my wife's done it. Me. <laughs> <I'm some> toast. <laughs> I mean, the the law is going to kill me, and then she's going to resurrect me just just to do just to murder me again. Yeah, I mean, like as a wife, I feel like I know I've said that. Like, like if this kills you, I'm bringing you back from the dead to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I think most good wives are. <laughs> you might be the only one who's called me a good wife, but I'll take you on that. I say hey, that. Hey man, like I think you're a fabulous wife. Like I would have married you. Oh. <laughs> oh. I can't find my shoe. That'd probably be awkward for Ian, but whatever. I mean, don't get over it. Yeah, he's fine. All right. So do you wanna you wanna call it and tell people where we or you want me to tell people where they can find us online and then we'll see them next time? I mean we can do that. Yes, please do. We love you, friends. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah, we're on social media. We're on uh TikTok and Instagram at unhinged.history. And we're on Twitter at unhinged history, history spelt with a zero. <laughs> and then please write in and tell us how we messed up these names so yeah. bad so we can better pronounce them next time we are here to be corrected and should you have corrections give them to us at unhinged.historypod@gmail.com. at gmail.com <laughs>